Well, good morning. It's great to be with you today. What a great time of worship we've already had, and now we're going to get into God's Word. So if you will, if you have a Bible, turn with me to John 17. It'll be on the screens. It'll also be, there's a Bible in the seat ahead of you. If you don't have one, grab that today. It's good to be here today. Anybody with me? Amen. All right. So um, we are in a series called How to Survive a Shipwreck. If you can't tell, VBS is like happening. Um, All week, um, you came in, there was a giant canopy of vines and whatnot, tall people. Um, You didn't like it very much. I heard somebody say, I'm not coming back to this church. We have vines in the entryway. And we said, don't come back then. So... uh, uh, no, it's, it's really good to be here today, and I, I, I do believe that, that as we're going through this series, and, uh, and as we go through, I think God's doing a great work in this church, but, but if we're honest, life is challenging, and it is hard, it is, it is more difficult than we want to admit, and the reality is, is that oftentimes we come to places in life where we feel completely shipwrecked. And what we've said as we began the series last week is there's just certain areas of our life that we cannot afford to shipwreck because the costs are too high, the stakes are too high in our lives. And so I believe that as we go through this series, as we keep going, um, that God is going to equip us to do well at this one shot at life that we have together. And so this morning, as people in this room who are single, married, moms and dads, grandparents, citizens, we have a common calling to spiritual community. And this may not be one that we think of as something that we will shipwreck. I don't think spiritual community is this thing as like, man, my life's terrible. I'm just totally failing at spiritual community. I don't think anybody really says that. We might feel it at some level, but what I would say is, Um, just as you might not see an iceberg coming at you because it's below the surface, if you miss this one, I would say there's greater costs than any of us will ever know, and it will shipwreck us in a way that at some point in our life we won't even realize the cost that we had because we didn't value and we didn't go after spiritual community in our lives. So yeah, I think this is one that if we don't, right, if we, if we don't do it, we're headed toward a shipwreck. So 1 Timothy 1.19 says, holding faith in a good conscience by rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. If we reject, we don't find, don't value spiritual community, it is far more dangerous than we know. So this morning... We're going to do a couple things. This is going to be a bit of a different service. So at the end of the service, we're going to have a prayer time over a kind of spiritual community. I'm going to guide you through that. And then we're going to commission um, our church plant to Kent, Tree City Church. And so if you're with Tree City, if you'd stand up, I just want everyone to see you for a moment. All right, so stand up. Here's the crew. Excited. Um, you can be seated. So we are, um, we're going to commission them. And so at the end of the service, they're going to come into the middle of the room and we're going to layer around them. We're going to lay hands on them. We're going to send them out. This is something really biblical that we do. This is, I believe that in the New Testament, right, when evangelism happens, church plants happen. And I think in America, we've gotten used to kind of churches just being everywhere. But what we know is that up to 4,000 churches close their doors every year in America. Right? That's more than one a day, right? In America, close their doors. 
And so I believe we live in a day more than ever where we need to plant churches that are specifically doing what God has asked in the context they've been given to reach and extend the gospel in those areas. And so this is our this is one of our three church plants that we have going right now. And so they've kind of been in this incubation process of, of gathering together as a community. Britain, how long ago did we start this journey? Three years ago. And so it's been a journey of writing, praying, meeting, waiting six months, meeting again, praying, spending time together. And I believe that God has commissioned, anointed them toward this end. And so we're going to get to do that. So Tree City, this sermon today is, is specifically for you. I want you to hear this today from God's word. I believe that he has a word for you about your community, about who you're going to be, how God's going to shape you and the things that you should value and commit and consecrate your life to. And also to us, North Canton Chapel, I don't believe that's just to them. I believe it's to all of us that these are the types of things that we need to be as a church, not to grow lazy in spiritual community, but to remain diligent in the things that Jesus has asked of us. So, so spiritual community, we're going to get in the text here in just a second. So spiritual community is defined as a community of people committed to their Savior Jesus Christ above all things. Would you agree with that church, right? The church, right? Committed to their Savior Jesus Christ above all things seeking the fulfillment of his movement together as they live in a common bond, sacrificing on behalf of Jesus and one another. Living in a common bond, right? That we have a common bond under our savior and that common bond is Jesus' sacrifice. So we sacrifice for him and for others. This is what spiritual community is. So the questions that we have to ask ourselves as we think about spiritual community, here's, here's a couple. One, Are we loving one another well, or have we developed habits that hinder us in fulfilling the prayer of our Savior? We're going to read it in a second. Jesus said that they would be one as we are one. Again, ask the question, are we loving one another well, or have we developed habits that hinder us in fulfilling the prayer of our Savior? Second, do we see each other honestly as brothers and sisters in the faith? And do those outside the faith see our love for one another in a way that compels them to a different kind of love? Say it again. Do we see each other honestly as brothers and sisters in the faith? And do those outside of the faith see our love for one another in a way that compels them to a different kind of love? So this morning, the big idea, I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to tell him the truth of the morning, okay? Turn to your neighbor and just tell him this. Tell him this, ready? Say, you need me, right? Tell him it, tell him it. You need me, tell him. Man, you've been waiting to tell him that for a long time. You need me. All right. Some, somebody was in trouble this morning and they got to say that with such a big smile on their face. You need me. All right. All right, so, so let's together stand and read John 17, 17 through 23. So we're going to stand in reverence and honor of reading God's word today, John 17, 17 through 23. Now, the context of this, just so we know, this is the high priestly prayer. Jesus is about to die on the cross. And in this prayer, the reason we call it the high priestly prayer is this is this consecration of Jesus to the Father, that he will die for the glory of the Father and for the forgiveness of our sins. And inside of this prayer, I mean, imagine if someone passed away 
and you just got to read their prayer journal. Right? Over, this is the prayer journal of our Savior Jesus Christ, this moment of his prayer. And in it, this prayer, there's a prayer for us. John 17, 17 through 23, the heart of our Lord. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, would you reveal the truth of your word in greater ways to us today? Lord, would you, would you speak to us here, North Canton Chapel, Tree City, us together as your body, as family. Lord, would you use this text today to deeply shape our lives, that we might not shipwreck our lives in regards to community. Jesus, we love you. Help us, we ask in your name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so in this text, what, what we see is there's the context. So John 17 Verse 17, I'm just going to read this section again. I'm going to read it multiple times, but it says it like this. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So he has this prayer like this, and we're going to talk about the sanctification, right? Your word, like that we're transformed by these things. But then he says, I do not ask for these only. So he's speaking of those that are directly with him, right? So he's praying for those directly with him, the disciples and maybe, maybe some others. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So there was this ministry that happened out of the life of the disciples. They, they proclaimed God's word. And he said, so I'm not just praying for these that are here, I'm praying for those who will believe in me through their word. Just so you know, we all, we all are a part of legacy. And the legacy that the disciples left have impacted our very lives today. This gospel has gone forward through their ministry and through the next generation, through the next generation. Every generation, when faithful, passes on. And so what Jesus prays, just so you know, in that high priestly prayer, he prayed for you. And his prayer for you is that you would be one in the body as he and the Father are one. Now, that's a fairly, fairly large prayer, isn't it? I mean, it's a request that Jesus says that there would be a Trinitarian unity within the body. So the way that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit work together, so might we as the body. So... Three truths that we're going to see from the text today. The truths of the text, in community, we will find, you will find, right? right? These are the things that Jesus desires. First, Jesus desires unity. Jesus desires unity. It says that they may, be, they may all be one, verse 21. That they may be 
one, even as we are one. Verse 22, and we'll even see later in the text, it says it's more. But unity. Now, unity has this idea. So there's this word, right, that the, the church fathers used, and it was this Greek word. It was perichore, Mike, help me out here, perichoresis, right? Perichoresis. And this perichoresis, right, has this, this idea, right, this, this oneness around this choreography. So peri, right, one, and then choreosis, right, this is the word for choreography. And they talked about the Trinity, how it worked in unity with one another. And it was choreographic, it was beautiful, it was in perfect symmetry with one another, See, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the, 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 our triune God, he doesn't have dysfunction. They don't know how to act. They work in perfect unity with one another. And so this prayer is not just this prayer of oneness that we all are just saying, yeah, we're under Jesus, but it's this choreographic way in which we operate in which we work. It's this selfless understanding of my role within to get the job done. And so it's my role within. So each member of the Trinity knows their role in the midst of this triune God in order to get the job done. And so us in this room, in the body of Christ, in all the church, when we work together, God is desiring this way in which we are choreographed together, in which we are valuing one another in such a way that there's this beautiful, beautiful symphonic way in which we operate and we act together. This weekend on Friday, me and I, I was, I was like, Father's Day is coming and I want to get the dad of the year award. And so I'm going to take a four-year-old, a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old canoeing, right? What better to do than to go on a canoe trip down the Mohican River? And so we went, we set up a campsite. We were going to do a 14-mile canoe ride during the day. It was going to be amazing. It was so much fun, right? And so we did it, right? We, we went, we went, we, we checked in. The van that like barely was held together took us up the river. We got in the canoe. We went down the river. And it was a wonderful day, right? I, and, and my girls did fantastic. It was, you know, I, I, I was steering in the back and I would say, you know, and canoeing is just one of the things you got to work together, right? If you work against each other, you just do circles, right? So whoever's in the front with the oar, I just said, when I say oar out, that means take your oar out of the water. It's getting rough or I'm getting frustrated, right? That's how that works. And so they did great. And we worked in it. And it was this perfect day going down the river. We jumped out. We won two. There was an ice cream stop along the way. It was beautiful. And then we, we pull off. We put our canoe up. We go to our campsite, which we'd already set up. And we're sitting there. We just lit a fire. I'd put a worm on a fishing pole. We were right on the riverbank. It was wonderful. And then the rains came. The rains came down and the floods came up. And so we're huddled in the tent, which was a tent that I had bought from a yard sale. And the water started coming in the edges. I'm like, put the stuff in the middle. Why'd you let that over there? And we're getting piled up and we didn't have any food to eat. We'd worked all day, we had day, and so we had Cheetos, and we're eating Cheetos, and we're like, keep, and the water keeps coming in, and, I, and the girls are like, hey, Dad, this doesn't mean we have to go home. I'm like, no way, we're going to stay. This is going to be good. Then about an hour later, it's still pouring, and the girls go, Dad, we don't have to stay, do we? Right? It all changed. 
it all changed. And it was this moment of perfect symmetry that turned into like complete chaos, right? Now, I think we all know these moments, like these moments where everything just seems to be working well in unison. Maybe it was even not in something like that, but it's like a, a job. I, I remember crews that I've worked on before, you know, where it's just like you knew when to hand somebody something and everything just worked perfect. See, I believe the body of Christ is meant to work in this kind of unity together, where we work in symmetry. Now, rains are going to come and hardship is going to come. But even in those moments as a body that we value each other, right? Now, again, I had like three little kids, right? A little bit different. But we work in symmetry and we begin to work with one another in a way of rhythmic, beautiful harmony, and I believe that's what God desires for the church. And I just want to say this from God's authority, that you are held accountable to this. If you, Tree City, if you are the one who brings discord, you will be held accountable for that. Unity is something Jesus highly values. And discord is something by the way, discord is the only thing in church that says get them away and don't associate. People that bring discord need to be removed from the body. And I don't say that as like a reprimand. I say it as something even to myself like, oh God, don't let me be that man. I don't want to be. Anybody else? No. Right? Unity. Jesus desires it. Second, Jesus desires sanctification. Verse 17, 18, 19 says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is true, right? We, we live in a world where everything, almost everything is deceivingly false. God's word is true and it can be counted on. So he says, so, so how are we going to be sanctified? How are we going to be transformed? How are we going to be changed? How are we going to be conformed to the image of Jesus more and more? How are we going to come under the authority of Jesus more and more, sanctifying, being changed, transformed within, growing increasingly, becoming into the image of our Savior? Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. What we need in our world more and more in our lives is truth. Not just truth that we know, but truth that we live. Saying that this is true and I'm going to align and live my life according to truth. So then he says, 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. Jesus is going to give himself over to the Father for, uh, for us that they also may be sanctified in truth. So kind of three things in this. There's truth. God's word is true. Second, in this text, he's going to say that I have sent them into the world. And so North Canton Chapel, it's not this holy huddle that God is calling us to, to live in unity, but he is calling us to live in unity together that we might go out together. Tree City, if it is only about you, if it's only about you and your little community, you will not fulfill the mission of Jesus. It is about you gathering and going out into the world to proclaim the good news of Jesus to those whom you are surrounded with every day of your life, intentionally, sent into the world, and then it says, right, to, that we might be sanctified, that we might grow increasingly into the image of Jesus. Now, this is one of those things in scripture, I think, that we kind of just push to the side. Paul will say it like this, I am in anguish, I'm in the anguish of childbirth, that they might be conformed into the image of Jesus. Do you believe today that Jesus wants to transform you into his likeness? Is this your aim? 
If you continue on the spiritual growth path you're on, will you get there? I don't know. I don't know for you. I don't, I don't know. What I, what I do know is for me, and it's a worthy question to ask. Am I coasting in my spiritual life or am I moving toward this one prayer, this thing that Jesus wants is he wants us sanctified in his truth, meaning that I need to press myself into his word. I need to come to places where the Bible is taught. I need to surround myself with people that value God's word. And in that, I will grow and be sanctified in it. I will value God's truth and I will be sent in the world. And so the third we see in this text is that Jesus desires fulfillment. Jesus desires fulfillment. So when we say fulfillment, meaning that he has a mission that he has called us to, and he desires for us to fulfill that mission. And that mission will not be fulfilled, and this is a quote, I don't know who said it, many have. This will not be fulfilled with our spare spare time and our spare change. His mission will not be fulfilled with us individually, with our spare time and our spare change. If Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, is he not worthy to give all of our life to the fulfillment of his mission? So he says, verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. This is us, all of us, all that have believed in time and history and all that will. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so this in him, this spiritual community devoted to Jesus, right? There's this, that the world is going to believe by just seeing the transformation that is happening in our own lives. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you loved me. You see, what's interesting is Jesus prays this prayer. And then he goes to the cross. He's brutally beaten. He's hung. He dies. And as he's dying, the earth shakes. The veil is torn from top to bottom, right? That, that then he, he dies. He's put in a tomb. Three days later, Jesus gets up, walks out of that grave, is alive, lives, teaches for 40 days, commissions the disciples, ascends to heaven. And as he commissions them, he says, hey, go in the upper room and wait. Wait for a minute. I'm going to send my spirit. The spirit descends upon them. They go out and they speak in miraculous tongues. People are in awe of what God has done, what is happening. And over 3,000 people are saved. And when these 3,000 plus people are saved, what happens is astonishing. See, this prayer is fulfilled in Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says that they had everything in common. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and to prayers, it goes on about this community that they sold lands, they sold possessions, they gave to one another, that they were selfless in every way. And in Acts 2.47, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I believe that Jesus' prayer in John 17 is fulfilled in Acts 2.42 through 47. And I believe that he still is fulfilling and desiring to fulfill this prayer to this day in communities all over the world, including ours here in North Canton and in Kent, Ohio. So 
what are the commitments that God is asking us to make to spiritual community? The commitments that God is asking us to make towards spiritual community. The first is we must make a commitment saying, I will be a contributor. I will be a contributor, not a consumer, but I will give of my skills, my resources, my time to build the kingdom and promote unity under the banner of Jesus. I will be a contributor. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, and he died for all that those, that for, he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and rose. Being a contributor, it, the access point of this comes not just saying, I have something to give, people recognize my skills and talents. It's not where a contributor begins. A contributor begins by saying, I have one who gave himself completely for me that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and rose. Being the contributor is saying, my savior gave of himself for me. It's unthinkable that he would do this for me. He has contributed in a way that I could never contribute back, but I'm gonna give the rest of my life in some way or shape or form with these hands, with this head, with these feet to contribute back to his kingdom, his mission in a way that might honor him and glorify him. It's a commitment of saying, I will be a contributor in a response to what Jesus has done for me. Second, is a commitment and I believe that we can't have spiritual community without being contributors. And the second one, it's a commitment saying, I will guard my mouth. I will guard my mouth. I will not be a slanderer nor a gossip. A slander is intentionally sharing harmful information about someone to damage the person's reputation. In a community where slander is normative is a community that is very confusing to a watching world because there is nothing beautiful about people that slander one another. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of that. Anybody with me on that? Right, a gossip. Secretly causing someone to be diminished in the minds of others. So really the difference between a slander and gossip is slander, you're just really bold going public. And the gossip, you're just divisively coming underneath. They're different too. Slander has a little bit more anger underneath it and something a, a lot more vile. It's deeply damaging people. Anybody want to be slandered or gossiped about in this room? No. Right? Not a divider nor bring dissension. And see, with our mouths, we can do all these things. James 3 says we must tame the tongue. With the tongue, we can bless and we can curse. What we choose is we choose to bless. We we choose to, to go a different way. Now, I would say that the reason that we we slander, we gossip, we divide, we bring dissension. You see, I, I think we do it in the name of being a savior. And so if I gossip or slander or divide or bring dissension, this is just information everyone needs to know because everybody's in danger if they don't know this information. 
But what we're really doing is saying, God, you're not in control. You don't appoint people. You can't handle this, so I'm going to take it into my own hands. Anybody agree with me on this? What we have to do is in those moments where slander is coming to our minds and our hearts, where gossip is coming to our minds and our heart, where dividing and dissension is coming, simply say this, because it's in all of us. It's kind of fun to talk about people. I'm not going to lie, right? But it just hurts. And so what we do is we say, God, you are in control. I don't have to. I don't have to. I'm going to trust you with this. And so we make a commitment in guarding our mouth saying that I will give of my lips to encourage and build up. I'll give of my heart to care for and love genuinely. Again, I will give of my lips to encourage. Let the words of the, my mouth, the meditations of my heart, right? Be, be pure and holy in your sight, God. Let, let what comes out of me build up, edify, encourage the body. Let my lips be that that, that, that encourage others, that care for others, and that loves genuinely. That will give of our lips to encourage, build up, and give of our heart to care for and love genuinely. And I'll say this, and maybe just a way to model what this means is one of the things that I'll say is, is Britton and Steph Bullenbacher, I, I am so privileged to, to know you, to have been a part of this journey with you. Team, I... I don't even know if you know how much he deeply, Britain and stuff, how much they love you and they care for you and they long for your growth in Christ and to see the gospel move in Kent. I mean, I see you fitting all, all of the requirements in Titus and Timothy of being a lead pastor. You're a man of honor and dignity and I am a better man, a better pastor, a better Christian for you being in my life. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for that God has put you here at North Canton Chapel. And I know that I speak for a host of other people that know you, of how you have exemplified that here in your teachings and ABFs and just your presence in people's lives. Thank you. Let's thank Britton for who he is and the team, for who they are and what they've done. Third, commitment to spiritual community is I will value diversity. Right? We are one body with many parts. None of us play the same role. All of us play different parts. I will value diversity. I will speak life into other skills and abilities. I will speak words of affirmation. And by doing so, I will display value of all gifts, skills, and abilities commitment to valuing diversity. We cannot be a spiritual community without valuing the vast roles that we will each play in seeing the kingdom of God come. One of the things I love about the week of Summer Blast is that there is like 2 million volunteers that, that corral uh, over 300 kids. It takes that many. And, and we all work, and we always say as a, as a staff team that this is an all-hands-on-deck. Many of you are volunteering to be a part of this week. It's so much fun, but we have to work in symmetry and unison because when you've got, when you got babies, you got fifth graders, and you got all... One year, I just, like, one of my kids didn't even talk. They just, they were just a cat the whole week, right? I was like, what do you think the answer is? And she went, meow, meow, meow. <laughs> like, I don't... I don't even have words. I don't know what to do. I love you. And so, uh, 
right? So it, it, there's this symmetry that happens, but there, it is such a clear week of the diversity, even this place being transformed this week. It, it's, it's, it's a display of the diversity of gifts and abilities. And we, we must, and I'll maybe speak candidly to this. I think in the church, we've, we've kind of gotten to this place where we value the speaker and the gift of teaching, and we've just kind of diminished everything else. And I think we need to change the scorecard there a little bit. And we say this is one of many parts of this greater thing that God is doing. I will value diversity. And then fourth, I will take risks. I will take risks. Jesus said this, to take up your cross daily, deny yourself, come after me. Unity, people, community, is always a risk. Relationships are risky, aren't they? I mean, when we, when we enter into a relationship, what might happen? People might reject us. They may say, yeah, I don't really want to be in community with you. Now, I've never had that happen to me ever in my life. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but it is, and it hurts. I mean, I've launched... I've, I've launched Sunday school classes, ABFs, missional communities, small groups, my entire ministry coming on like 18 years now. And I can tell you, I could list out the names of people who rejected me in community more than I could list out the names that were in community. And it's not that there were more. There was way more that wanted to live in community and be part of it. It's just the ones that left were really hard and it hurt really bad. It's risky to join community with others, right, Deb? Yeah, sorry, I just saw you over there. I love you. And so, right, it's risky, right, because I might be rejected. I might fail. But I believe that in order to live in spiritual community that we, we must take risks, risks on behalf of our Savior. And we try, right? We try at least. And maybe, maybe we'll fail at times but at least we gave our life to something better, taking risks for something bigger than ourselves. Because at the end of the day, when I take risk for him and his kingdom, even if I fail, I still get God's approval. And God's approval is far better than any failure. So Jesus says at the end of this text, in his prayer, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Last phrase there, loved them even as you loved me. It's, it's an astonishing statement. Love them even as you loved me. Hear this today, God loves you. And he loves you as much as he was willing to pay for you. And the price he was willing to pay for you was one of infinite value, his very own son. That God loves us so much that he would send his very own son to die for us on the cross. Love them even as you love me. See, I believe that honestly, when you break it all down, there's only one compelling thing that will make community stick. And that is a community that is responding to a greater love than what we can stir up inside of ourselves. But the love that the Father had to us, 
that he would send his own son to unite us together now compels us as a church and as a community to give and show and display this same kind of love, the same kind of affection into the world that has been given to me. And so Tree City, hear me in this. May your motives always be not yourself, not your flesh, not what you can get, but might your motive always be simply Jesus, that he gave himself for me, so now I will give myself for him. Even when it gets really hard, even when it's really great, I will give myself for him. North Canton Chapel, might our commitment be Our motive be that we will give of ourselves simply because he gave for us. We're going to go into a prayer time. In this prayer time, we're going to pray for, one, I'm going to guide us as a congregation through just application of this passage. And then after that, I'm going to invite Tree City to come and stand in the middle of the room, and then we're going to have a prayer time over them. And after we finish the amen, after that prayer, we're going to be done and we'll be dismissed. Um, so before that, if you will, bow your heads. I'm going to lead us through a prayer time. And as I begin it, I want to read a, a prayer that A.W. Tozer wrote. It reads, O Lord God Almighty, not the God of the philosophers and the wise, but the God of the prophets and the apostles, and better than all, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may express thee unblamed. They that know thee not may call upon thee as other than thou art, and so worship not thee, but a creature of their own fancy. Therefore, enlighten our minds that we may know thee as thou art, so that we may perfectly love thee and worthily praise thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, I just want you to consider committing to God this morning in light of what we've read, committing to him simply, I will be a contributor. And if it is your will and your desire to do that, we're gonna pause for a moment. You talk with God about your contribution of what he's asking you to do for his kingdom. Second, pray this commitment from this day forward, God, I will guard my mouth. Maybe even in this prayer, there's maybe some confession, probably some. And in this commitment is a commitment saying that I will use my lips to encourage and build up, to care for and to love Jenny.
pray and ask, to say to the Father, I will value diversity. Maybe it's a prayer of the Lord, help me to value the diverse skills and abilities equally that everyone brings to the table for your kingdom, for your gospel, for your work, for your church. this prayer commitment saying I will take risks but God help me to overcome my fears help me to step out in relationships help me bring unity help me love people Help me step into others' lives. Help me to take risks for your kingdom. Father, we do ask that here, North Canton Chapel, you would make us this kind of community increasingly. None of us in this room would, would say we don't want to be this. But Lord, we, we all just recognize that we play a part and a role in it. And Lord, would you help us to heed your words, your truth, the niche of these. Lord, as this text even said, Lord, would you sanctify us in the truth that we might be shaped increasingly into your image to live these things out. So, Father, we love you. Thank you. And, Lord, I, I know maybe, Lord, there's one person in this room, maybe others, that don't know you, Jesus. Lord, would you help those who have never entered into a relationship with you this day to turn in repentance and faith? They might be transformed by your grace and might be made new today to be a member this wonderful heavenly community that you've called us to. Father, we love you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask Tree City to stand, all of y'all. That's a, all y'all. That was a double. And I want you to come to the middle of the room. And you're, so you're going to literally go stand right just like right back there in the center because we all can't get around you. And as you um, walk there, um, I'm going to ask um, some of the elders, um, pastors, deacons, um, family, friends, if you'd come and kind of make that inner circle around them. So stand up now if you fit the bill of any of that and go and surround them. And so Tree City, if you'd look at me quick as you stand there in the middle, I charge you today, Tree City, one, we believe and we affirm that God has sent you out and called you out from the North Canton Chapel to be servants and missionaries and learners to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven in Kent, Ohio 
And we commit ourselves to support you, to come alongside of you, to love you, to pray for you in the days to come. And I can't say it enough, we believe. I believe that God has done this work and we affirm what he has done. And we believe that he has called you to this purpose to extend the good news of Jesus in Kent. And we collectively commit to the end of coming alongside of you. I want each of you to commit to be contributors, to guard what you say, to value each other deeply in the diversity that each of you bring to the table and that you would take risks for our great God, for our Savior, for our King Jesus, that the kingdom of God might increasingly come as you do so in Kent, Ohio. We love you. We are behind you. We want to commission you and pray for you this morning. So congregation, if you'll stand and in a, a, just come to the middle. It's going to be messy. Just come on in. Nobody's going to steal your purse. Just go. I don't think. Come on in. I'm going to sneak in here if I can. I'm going to make my mic blow up probably, but we're just going to give it a shot. I'm going to sneak by you. Sneak by. Hey, babe. How are you? It's nice to see you today. Coming in. I'm going to sneak by you. There we go. All right. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you. And Lord, we are so grateful that as the North Canton Chapel, you would entrust us with such incredible people. And Lord, as you sent out the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, Lord, you sent out the very best from Antioch. In many ways, Lord, we feel like the very best is going out from us. And so, Lord, we thank you for this team that you have placed together. And Lord, we pray for your anointing to be upon them. Lord, we pray for a a peculiar oneness amongst them in a way that people are compelled to you, Jesus, because of the unity that they experience together. And that, Lord, we pray that many disciples would be made in Kent, and that your kingdom would come increasingly. So, Lord, we affirm what you have done, and we pray for your hand of blessing to rest upon them, your favor to rest on them. And, Lord, we commission them this morning in the name above all names, the name of our Savior, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 So that concludes our services today. We're, we're so grateful that you came. Have a great day. If you haven't signed up for Summer Blast, get signed up. GPS classes are starting room two. Have a great day today.